Hello and welcome to KBOTAK, a short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas with me, John. It's been a little while since I have put one of these out, but glad to be back. And if you're still listening or you've just picked this podcast up for the first time, then thank you. And uh, let's get into the new episode uh, where we're going to be talking about All of Us Are Dead, the recent Korean original series on Netflix. This came out January 28th worldwide, a couple of months ago now, with all 12 episodes immediately available, each just under an hour in length. The series is based on a webtoon called Now at Our School by Ju Dong-gun and follows a group of friends trapped in their school, which is ground zero for a zombie outbreak. I spoke about the webtoon on a previous episode, and it's worth checking out especially if you enjoy cartoons, if you are familiar with webtoons, which are very popular in Korea, and where a lot of the ideas for popular K-dramas and even films come from. But on to All of Us Are Dead, the coming-of-age zombie thriller. The cold open of this show hits hard. It departs from how the webtoon, which I read a good chunk of the beginning of, opened straight away, and here you see a boy being viciously bullied on a rooftop. Spoilers, this show is all about bullying on many levels. The boy suddenly becomes frenzied and his bones start crunching and he flings himself at the bullies violently, uh, eventually throwing himself off the roof in the process. Uh, what we as viewers um, know is uh, the, the visual symptoms of zombification, at least in the visual language of movies and TV series. His father arrives at the hospital, the boy awakes snarling, and the father beats him seemingly to death with a Bible. Uh, fairly intense from the get-go, this show, and uh, a lot going on in terms of imagery. We then get some uh, more establishing scenes that take us uh, throughout the world that the show is going to take place in. This is set in Hosan, a fictional district in Korea, uh, small enough for this one high school, Hosan High School, to be one of its major landmarks. The school has mountains at its back and has around a thousand students. We meet a core group of friends, Onjo, Chongsan, Kungsu and Isak, and we see them eating at Chongsan's mum's chicken restaurant, which is named after him. Uh, we also see more bullying with the same bully, Guinam, uh, that we saw earlier making one of the girl, girl students undress uh, and be filmed in an attempt to extort money from her and her friend. It is very upsetting stuff. And you know, sometimes there's some characters you really want to get eaten by the zombies. Guinam uh, is one right off the bat. The instigating event is a girl called Hyunjo wandering into the science lab uh, the science teacher is the father from the opening, whose son we assume died, uh, and who rumours at the school are saying is weird, and that he started smelling like a rotting corpse recently. Hunjo sees a hamster in a cage and tries to pet it, only to be bitten. Uh, we all know what's going to happen. She then bites another student before being taken to hospital, and we're off to the races. Incidentally, the hamsters in the cage are taken straight from the webtoon, and uh, I was quite happy seeing those in the trailer, 
uh, for this because it, I thought it was a good little device uh, considering it's based in a school. There's always little hamsters and uh, science uh, rats uh, around, um, at least in TV schools. Um, so I, I thought that was a good little visual hallmark to retain. The first two episodes of this depict the spread of infection throughout Hosenheim and to a lesser extent the town as well. A lot of movies have done these scenes, or even montages of what you might call the hour of infection, and I think this is a really good version of it. Uh, firstly, the camera work and editing is really impressive when you have hundreds of students running all over the place chasing each other, and then it zooms in to show a specific scene, um, so you see this kind of uh, chaos, this World War Z type um, brawl that's going on, a, a, a gym hall or whatever and then it goes in it shows you these little vignettes of what's happening between a, a couple of students that are getting munched by one of their mates it's all very impressively coordinated um, and I can't imagine uh, the sort of planning uh, and cohesion this took between the cast and the crew uh, to be able to achieve this very very stylish um, you get loads of these uh, little scenes of people running for their lives and, and then getting uh, chewed on but um at no point does it feel disjointed or, or noisy on screen. You get a good sense of this kind of spreading contagion. Um, so I, I was loving this. I, I thought this was very, um, uh, very action-packed uh, stuff. It, it really motors along. The scene where the doors of what I think is the cafeteria open and there's just a horde pouring in as we zoom into the faces of our lead characters, uh, really memorable. You might have seen that in trailers as well. Um, there's also a scene where Yunji, the victim of Guinan, uh, who he was trying to make her undress earlier, is about to jump off the roof of the school in despair, in a, a very grim moment. And suddenly the windows below her just explode as all these zombies just burst out chasing people or trying to. It's very striking and also very bleak because of the context. And she sort of steps back from the, uh, from the roof uh, and uh, reconsiders as she sees what's going on. And she basically sits on the roof safe, actually, um, because of uh, the fact that she'd gone up there to, uh, to try and end it all. And she kind of watches the, the school go to hell around her. And she's actually thinking, well, I don't really care uh, what happens to, to these people um, because of what they've done to me. Goes into the, uh, you know, the, the mindset of where a lot of these, these kids would be at in this situation throughout the show. And it's very good. And, and I'll get on to that. Um, Following these great opening episodes, you then kind of get the tension and dread setting in. Um, we've got 12 episodes to get through here, um, and the survivors have to continue surviving in the school with no food or water um, or any idea uh, when they'll be rescued. Um, so yeah, I think the first two episodes would work great as a film. Uh, you know, If you just put that out, you would have a great time with it, um, and you know, you wrap it up in the last 10 minutes somehow. How does this justify itself uh, as 12 episodes? There's been a bit of chat around this, and I can see it from both sides, but um, I think this does uh, justify its existence as a fairly extensive drama, uh, and that's largely due to the setting. So I'm a believer that you can have really good zombie-based or just generally monster-based on-screen entertainment by having a brilliant setting and exploring its possibility for thrills and spills. So that's one reason Train to Passat works amazingly well. Um, sweet Home and Hashtag Alive uh, with apartment blocks and also Happiness, which I have yet to see, 
um, turn those into very good kind of layered environments uh, for people to have to explore and survive in. Um, and I think this story takes the school as a setting and really effectively works out every way that that can be effective for both horror and action. We've all felt like we're trapped in a classroom and we'll never be able to leave. And now that's actually true for these kids. The different floors of the school, especially in the early episodes, feel like they're miles apart instead of right near each other, like it can sometimes when your whole daily life is based there. Um, or you're sat there and you know you want to go and see your mates, but they're in a different class uh, and you're trapped in the room. You know, obviously it's got that, except their mates are on the other side of the school and they don't know if they're alive even. There's a lot of looking out of the window, of, of course, you know, uh, like you do, only instead of yearning to be out in the sun, they're beholding these swarms of zombos roaming the place. Um, there's a press shot for this that you might have seen of the kid hiding on top of a bookshelf in the library to stay out of reach, which is a really daunting thought. Um, there's some great Jurassic Park type scenes in the kitchen. Uh, there's the fact they've all had to hand in their smartphones at the beginning of class uh, and are unable to get them in the teacher's lounge which is what stops them contacting the outside world and telling people what's going on or calling their parents for help, which is obviously a disaster. They're cut off, these kids. Um, there's an army of zombies between them and their communication device. Uh, oh, and a very good point that this show makes, uh, which I realised seeing this, when you do manage to get hold of a phone and call the emergency services, which is all they can do is they only find a stranger's phone, don't tell them it's zombies. If this ever really happens... Tell them it's a fire, and they will actually send people. Um, unfortunately, in the show, as they make this call, uh, the uh, emergency services start getting a lot of other calls, as you can imagine. Um, another reason I think this works really well with the school setting, uh, they're using the curriculum all the time in this. Uh, what I really liked is how much of the show, once it settles in from episode three, shows the kids learning, uh, or using rather, what they've learned in school to survive. It's quite well observed in that way. You see them doing things they would probably do in various classes, especially sports. Archery gets used a lot, as you can imagine. Um, working in teams to fight off or block the hordes. Um, the way it seemed like one big school project sometimes was quite funny. You've got one person uh, helping to block the way. Someone else is trying to get doors open. Uh, it, it's very good. I didn't see anyone using maths to save lives and overcome the zombie menace, but maybe that happened off screen, so who knows. The group of friends uh, that you get here as well, um, I think, are very well done for the most part. I think the writing and performances are really relatable and effective, and I think that All of Us Are Dead is a roaring success in terms of its tone. It's often funny, but it's still tense and gritty, and I think that it does this by absolutely respecting its main characters. It takes their worldview at face value, and it doesn't look down on them because they're kids. It knows that young people in school are smart, they think quickly, and they're going through a lot already. In school, everything feels like life and death, and the show leans into that, so that when the blood starts splattering, you're really rooting for a lot of these characters. It doesn't look down on them, I really like that. Uh, and it's what makes the heightened moments, let's say, um, the more kind of, not quite cartoonish, 
Um, but uh, action-packed, punchy moments like a basketball player sort of socking zombies in the face, uh, a girl standing up to a teacher who's been bitten, uh, believable and sympathetic, even though they can be funny or exaggerated, and even though you've got this very familiar zombie horror premise um, that we've all seen in loads of other stuff. This relates to my thoughts on uh, the length of this show, again, which I mentioned just now. So a lot of K-dramas are basically built around hooking you with this rip-roaring opening pair of episodes and then establishing a group of friends that you want to get cosy with every week. Um, So this is a bit different, firstly, as Netflix dropped it all at once. So they don't need to be pulling you back week after week necessarily. You might just binge the lot. But I do think it's worthwhile having this amount of time with these characters because they're so enthusiastically portrayed and generally they work really well. You care about each and every person and what happens to them. Unlike in a lot of zombie movies, especially uh, in you know an hour 45 movie, you don't have the time to establish a relationship with the character. So when they got munched on, you really care. Um, unless it's Gongyu, obviously. Spoilers for Train to Busan. There is one character who is mishandled, I feel, and I wanted to drop a kind of a content warning. One of the more earnest and endearing young lads in this, I can't remember his name, but he often gets called fat or the others make jokes about him. And obviously, I realise that happens in school. You know, obviously, it's not authenticity that I'm arguing with. I'm just saying that if it's going to put you off um, or, you know, it's just going to make you feel... uh, Uh, a bit unhappy uh, watching that or you're just sick of seeing that kind of thing um, then that's an FYI from me because I thought it was a shame when the characters are are otherwise likeable Um, just in general just because something is authentic doesn't mean that you have to put it in and sometimes because a character is meant to be likeable you can have them just be well treated by the the people who are supposed to be their friends around them that's the idea of fiction you know and escapism Um, so yeah, bullying on that note is a huge theme here, as I mentioned earlier. And there's some really grim scenes of bullying um, the young girl uh, that I mentioned. Um, it's almost like um, it, it's turning up a lot because you get this main bully who keeps causing trouble even while the school is going to hell, so Guinam. Um, he's still out there, he's even making trouble for the teachers at this point, threatening them. Um, The kids uh, are dealing with a a different kind of bully in in their midst um, who is more kind of classist and looks down on on a lot of the other kids because they uh, rely on um, government subsidies for this, that and the other. Um, So there's there's some of the social tension uh, as well. And it's almost like they're trying to capture the feeling of being perceived as different and feeling isolated um, while school just seems like hell for you. It's like in school, everyone wants to be the same. You don't want to be marked out as different. And obviously because of the virus here, these kids are, are trying to survive and kind of uh, keep to themselves um, while feeling that they're you know marked for, marked for extermination by this huge threat around them. And maybe it seems a, a bit like that sometimes when you're at school. Um, you feel like you're a, a foreign insect in some kind of ant nest and they're all going to turn on you can certainly relate to that and obviously the instigating event here is the fact that the science teacher has actually given this son his this serum that ended up being a zombie virus to try and make him strong and angry enough to fend off his bullies but it just backfired massively Um, and that taps into something which is depressing and horrifying on a, a really deep level which is being unable to do something about your kid being bullied 
I felt that way in the past, even just as an older brother, um, when my little sister was being given a hard time at school um, and when my little brother was having trouble and <clears throat> both these cases, the, the teachers did absolutely nothing, absolutely sweet FA and now I'm a father, it's a, a really mortifying notion but obviously this man, this science teacher has ended his own world and, and nearly everyone else's in his reaction um, and what he did. So at this point, just going to drop in a little spoiler warning. Um, I've tried to avoid giving out too many really crunchy plot details up until this point. Um, I think it's fair to say this is a, a solid recommendation from me. If you like your zombie stuff, um, this is a really good one. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to go into a few more details now um, about stuff that happens later on in the show and some of the little twists that happen as well. So go and watch it first um, if you don't want to get spoiled. So, yeah, um, this is a, a pretty angry show, uh, as you see, especially later on, getting through the episodes. John Lee, on the Korean Foreigner podcast, which I really recommended, a great analysis of how this captures the sentiment of young people who feel as if us grown-ups are standing aside as, as the world goes to shit, basically saying, you know, we don't have a choice, uh, it, it, like you literally see the military turn up in this and not rescue anyone like these structures of authority around existing making it difficult for these kids to do things for themselves and to self-actualize but not actually helping them so what are they there for if the, the authority structure is just to contain you um, not to help uh, create a place for you within society so when some of these kids just decide never to cooperate with any grown-ups again and become totally disillusioned, even for me as, as a 34-year-old, it's hard not to sympathise a lot. A lot of us feel this anger, but younger folks feel as if we just aren't doing enough. Um, and to be honest, they're right. It feels like a lot of the time we are letting the world get ruined around us. But then again, even for us millennials, we're not the ones with the nuclear kill switches and the boards of directorships at the banks and sometimes we feel powerless as well so it's it's so difficult really so I really felt this show's anger when it shows the the systems of emergency response and government failing not because they were overwhelmed by zombies they're safe in a big camp that looks like something out of the last of us um, but because they chose safe paths of action that didn't risk the status quo while children were being killed they're discussing uh, who is going to be the mayor, the councillor, uh, how they're going to maintain the you know, municipal power structures. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we know that world governments make military decisions for self-preservation and gain, having factored in the potential or even certainty of the deaths of innocents, including children. I don't know if All of Us Are Dead is trying to make some kind of incisive geopolitical comment here, but it does feel deliberate that so much of the time is spent dwelling on the machinations of the army. Uh, and I couldn't help thinking of these things when I saw the show. Perhaps it'll be the case for other people who watch it as well. Uh, there's other twists that are more just clever, uh, rather than digging into th the themes. So uh, a little bit like COVID-19, another virus you might have heard of, this zombie virus has variants um, and at a certain point after uh, you, you've had lots of people getting infected and passing it on and passing it on and biting other people uh, eventually someone gets bitten 
and gets up again. Uh, not as a snarling, you know, twitching, crazy dead thing. Um, retaining their memories and personality and who they are. But because they're infected, the zombos don't attack them. And they also become super strong. Uh, one of the people this happens to is Guinam, the shit bully that we've been seeing. Um, one of the others is the, the girl that he was bullying. Um, so this is a really good twist for it to take uh, as it gets later in the series because zombies don't pursue intelligently. They're just there. And if they see you, that's it for you. But otherwise, they just have to be avoided. Whereas now, with certain characters, you have somebody actually hunting the characters. This bully, Greenham, has a, a big problem uh, with Chongsan, and he's coming after him. It's a lot like some of the Resident Evil games, where the best way to up the ante is to introduce these characters, Mr. X, Nemesis, that know about you. They want to kill you, and are coming after you. Um, likewise here, I feel this was a good way to keep the tension up. And like I say, make it depressingly relevant to COVID. Um, so lots of good stuff here. Um, overall, I think this is really, really good. And if you love a fast-paced zombie thriller, if you miss Kingdom or you just like, you know, UK Zombo stuff, then you probably want to get round to this. I think it is one of the more instantly gripping things that Netflix Korea has had recently. I think it has some of the scariest moments um, in you know recent zombie stuff that's been out there and because of this really enthusiastic and unassuming ensemble of relatively unknown actors it's got a lot of charm up its sleeve as well uh, they're good to spend time with and you're not just waiting to see that one super famous actor you know there's there's this uh, group of um, of really good young performers and uh, yeah they're, they're fantastic and hopefully they all go on to uh, to other things off the back of this um, I would only say as a caveat the ending for the webtoon is much better. Um, I went back and, and had a look at the the final episode of, of that webtoon, and uh, yeah, it's it, it is also uh, depressing. It does leave some cliffhangers, but in a, a clever way, you know, a bit more like your um your twenty eight days later or uh, your Dawn of the Dead remake stuff like that. Um, Netflix, on the other hand, it needs to stop ending its Korean originals in the middle of scenes. This is really annoying. It's not even a narrative cliffhanger. That just literally in the middle of a thought, it's quite frustrating. Like you see someone go off to do something, everyone looks over at them, and then that's just it. You get the, the credits coming up. They're doing this presumably to drum up excitement for future seasons and more spin-offs and stuff like that and, and get you know people hyped up and, and tweeting about it, but... You know, if you have made a good series, which I think this was really good, then it will have that effect anyway. Um, I think, you know, cliffhangers are kind of a, a, a bullshit uh, mechanism for, for stuff like this, and they can probably bin them off. Um, so that was really annoying. And I mean, you know, this counts as the spoiler section, but I mean, if you haven't seen that yet, and you don't really care about spoilers, but you're listening to it, you know, don't expect a lot from the ending. It's pretty disappointing. Um and also, I want them to stop trying to, you know, lead into some kind of um, kids with superpowers thing, um, because uh, that's that's tedious. You know, St stick to the zombie horror. I think for this. Um, but anyway, rant over. Um, you can follow the show on at kbotakpod. That's K B O T A K P O D on Twitter and Instagram. 
uh, retweets and shares are much appreciated. And best of all, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. That would be very, very nice of you. Um, Thank you for listening and uh, look forward to uh, putting out the next episode week by week. I will uh, try to do probably three or four of these a month and keep it weekly as much as I can. Um, See you on Twitter uh, primarily as well as Instagram. And thank you very much for listening. Cheers.